Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. It has been two weeks yes. since we last talked to you. Um, I was two on, weeks and a million years all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, two think. weeks and a million years. Uh, I was on vacation last week, and so I was not vacationing very well. We had a, <laughs> a child with COVID. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, that's that. That was the Monday surprise. Um, but I'm back now, and uh, we're catching up on a little bit of work here, and so we're going to be talking and taking a deeper dive into the message from two Sundays ago, which is the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, uh, and then uh, if you will be releasing uh, this past Sunday's then uh, tomorrow, and the discussion on that the day after. So a lot of releases here in the last couple of days of April, which is hard to say. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, we're, but yeah. it's beautiful. It, and it looks like April. It looks like we're coming into May. Um, and it, and it's good. So like I said, uh, taking a deeper dive into the Great Commission. Uh, there's a lot in this passage. This is kind of a more well-known passage for people who have been around the church for uh, a little bit. Um, and so that can make it hard to preach. <laughs> it's kind of funny. You preached on, what, four verses? And I preached on 48, 48. verses. And they still, they both have so much to say. And and isn't that wonderful about the scripture? Yeah. That, that there is so much about that. Now, of course we could preach on numbers and, you know, maybe be fishing for some things to say. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is, it's amazing how scripture can, can be, um, can have so much to say, uh, in its construction, in its meaning, but then in its application to our lives, and that's a wonderful thing. It's it's yeah. living and active, yeah. as, as the writer of Hebrews says. So as we are awed by Scripture, we might as well start talking about it. Uh, so, Pastor Dean, what did you hear in the Great Commission and in uh, what I was talking about with respect to the Great Commission? I think as we as we remember where the disciples were when they heard this, Jesus had died and they thought he was dead and now and then they thought his body was gone and they were trying to make sense of that and then they realized wait no he's alive and then he appears to them again and then he gives them this instruction and and their lives had certainly been completely reoriented and I think it's for us to remember that this verse still reorients our lives even now 2000 years later that that to truly live out this great commission that that we have to um to rearrange our whole identity our whole being because if if we're going to follow the great commission we have to center our lives on Christ and you can't center your life on something without it changing your whole life which is really good and really hard all at the same time that, so that, you bring up a, there are a couple of things to unpack right there. Uh, first of all, I think we think of the Great Commission as this kind of triumphant, concrete sending out. And, and as you're drawing out here, the Great Commission is not this kind of final um, great moment, mm-hmm. but it is a moment given. It's a reorientation given in the midst of massive disorientation. Yeah. Yeah, they had no idea which end was up at this point. And and here's Jesus saying, all right, now I've spent the last three-ish years 
getting you ready go into the world now now it's up to you and to jump to the end he promises that he'll be with you he'll be with us always even to the end of the age but there's definitely a shifting of responsibility that that can be disorienting in and of itself feeling all of a sudden like wait we were we were just your students like we just followed you around and did the best we could and fell apart at times don't forget that whole denial thing but now you're telling us to go and do the work that's a really hard thing which is interesting because as we see in their disorientation in the other gospels what they do uh in in luke's gospel as we actually i think it's john's um someone will correct me but they actually in the in this massive disorientation they go back to fishing Mm-hmm. They just go back to what, what they, they know. knew. Yeah. And so they go back to their old lives. And so without this reorientation, they probably would have just defaulted to who they were. Yeah. And that that's the easy thing to do. And even as we try to change our lives and continually reflect Christ or reflect better habits or, or whatever, I know often... I'll make steps forward and then I'll default to what I know and where I'm comfortable. We had that discussion yesterday as we were talking about the struggle of addiction and and the the grip that that can have on people if they don't completely change everything about their habits, their lives, their their whole social circles and how hard that is that you know, it's easy to say sure just change everything, but ugh change everything that's that's difficult yeah because it, it, it's such a a total uh, it, we keep coming back to the term reorientation but it means taking every aspect of life and then pointing it towards this other thing um which can feel very uh, unmooring yeah especially when you had drawn out in the sermon that it that discipleship this reorientation the big theological word we would assign to that is sanctification, you know, growing and, and changing. It's not a one-time task. It's not something that we can write down on our to-do list and then check it off. It it does take constant work and constant reorientation and constant effort to not default to what we know or not default to where we're comfortable or the, the path of least resistance. Um, it, it, and that again it's a it's it's exhausting work i think it's hard work especially as you as we live our lives with other people around us too to not only be pulling ourselves forward by the power of the spirit but also then trying to bring others along with us which is part of the work of discipleship when when jesus says teaching them and baptizing them and and helping them to obey what I've taught you. Uh, if I had been, I don't want to say more prepared, but if I had, had given this more thought as I, as I look back at the sermon and listen to it, I would have said it's not, discipleship isn't a task, it's a process. Mm-hmm. You think about a process, you know, a process is just something that keeps going and keep it keeps going. Uh, right now the boys are in sports uh, and uh, they are in the process of learning. And it's hard when there are setbacks uh, especially you see with younger kids uh, uh, when they can't 
they feel like they can't get something right. Mm-hmm. And so there's this desire to, well, I, I want to give up because I can't do X. And it's like, it's not about doing this right now. Mm-hmm. It's about continuing to practice. It's about continuing to try, continuing to, to pick up the, the ball and the glove, continuing to pick up the, the puck and the stick. Yeah. And realizing that even, even then after you've learned to, to hit the shot or hit the, the ball, then there's constant refinement and growth in that to get faster, to get more accurate, to get, to, to hone those skills even in even more. And I think the same is true of our, our faith walk. We can't ever say, I mean, we can definitely look and say, wow, I see, I see the way the spirit's working in my life. I see the way that the fruit of the spirit is being applied. I, you know, look at, I've been patient in this situation, but you know what? I have more situations where I could be more patient. You know, there's always that, that further step that I think if we have to be careful, we have to be careful again, not to tend towards a works righteousness kind of perspective and not to put discipleship into a category where we can check it off or growth into a category where we can check it off and say, Oh, I, you know, look how great I am. I do this or look have, how many people. I've achieved patience. Yeah. I'm now moving on to Self-control peace. Or, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Whatever the next one is. Check. I don't have to think about that anymore. That, that that's not, that's not the kind of growth that we experience as human beings, that it's a constant refinement of who we are in the spirit. And it's not always linear. It's, I think it's rarely linear. And we struggle with different aspects of that at different times. And I think if we, you, before we started the podcast, we talked about what, what does discipling someone else look like? And we talked about that it really looks like a relationship and, and sharing together. And I think too, those things aren't linear. It, it's not as no. if, you know, me, I'm going to impart all of my knowledge to you. Okay, look, yeah, you've, we've done it. Now you go do something, do it for someone else that it's, it's a constant give and take and learning from one another and, and two steps forward, one step back, two steps back, one step forward, whatever, you know, and it's going to look different in every, every day, every week, every stage of life. I'm really glad that you bring that up because that to me would be the chief weakness of my sermon is I talk a lot about discipleship and I define it, but uh, as I listened to it, I thought, you know, there's still the question, okay, how do I disciple then? And I think that's a big question, you know, I, and just some background here, you know, I grew up in a Presbyterian church, mainline Presbyterian church in Western PA. Um, so not too different of a context here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, discipleship was not a word that was talked about. You know, you go to Sunday school, um, you go to, to church. Um, I try to avoid that language na- now and mm-hmm. tell the boys we're going to worship. Um, because it, the, the, the term has just become too all encompassing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but discipleship wasn't talked about and what does that look like and how do you do it? And so, um, I've had to learn this over time and, uh, it was probably, it was before the pandemic when I started my first discipleship group mm-hmm. and I had three guys that I started with, um, guys that I knew, uh, pretty well and were comfortable with and were comfortable to fail around mm-hmm. and told them, you know, 
I feel convicted that I need to be doing this, uh, but I don't, this is my first run. Mm -hmm. And so we got together and I got from my mentor a, a list of books of the Bible and I'm more than happy to provide that to anyone. Um, and we started with the gospel of Mark. Um, I've heard other people start with the gospel of John, um, because it kind of starts with the totality of scripture. Um, I do not recommend starting with Genesis. It just, yeah. it, it just too much there, but you start with the life of Jesus. Um, and so we would assign however many verses every week. And then we would have, I'd ask the guys to journal or take notes or whatever they wanted to call it to feel comfortable with it mm-hmm. and come back and discuss the scriptures. Um, the model that my mentor used was a one year model. Um, and he commented to me that one of the chief fallbacks of that model was that, um, people then didn't turn around and disciple others. Mm. And so he wondered whether it was too short of a throw, Mm. basically, uh, too short of a, and if he needed to disciple less people over a longer period of time. And so I stuck with those guys for, for several years. And in fact, until I, until I left Rock Island and, um, you know, I know that, that, that has had an influence on their lives. I also had another discipleship group actually, uh, with, uh, Katie and with a couple other women in the church, um, that they then took a look at the same scope of scripture. Wasn't as far because we, we started later than the men's group. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but just that constant being and, and some of those discipleship groups weren't just Bible study. They were what's going on in your life. Yeah. I think I love what you're, you're saying. And I definitely affirm the value of that. Sometimes I think those sorts of things then just lead us into programming everything so tightly that when it, when it doesn't fit that, then it falls apart that I, that I think it has, that discipleship has to be both the knowledge and knowledge discussion and also just real life where are you struggling and where are you seeing God moving in your life? Where are you, where are you not feeling God in your life and why? Um, is it you know, a dark night of the soul? Is it your own, own desires kind of clouding out maybe where you feel God is leading you? All those kinds of things. Sometimes that it was are, work that was really weighing on people. Yeah. And really dominating their their thought and their emotions yeah. that week, and we had to unpack those. Yeah, because even in the church, the the tasks to do can can become just incredibly all encompassing to the point where all you've done is administer the the things. Um, yeah. So these discipleship groups and, and discipling for what I did, and, I, and I'd love to have a, a conversation with one of those people. Uh, if we want to do that at a later podcast to, to, dis- to describe how it goes, because um, two of those couples are actually still meeting together, mm-hmm. which I was really happy to hear. Um, you know, we were firmly committed to going through the scriptures, but we didn't allow that to derail. We also understood there was a relational component. So there was yeah. a lot of active listening. Um, and even the questions, you know, um, there were three questions that we would attempt that we would attack every single week. So it wasn't like a new question every week. Mm-hmm. Um, very simply, you know, what does the scripture say? How does this apply to all Christians? And how does the Holy Spirit want to apply this to my life? 
Mm-hmm. And then naturally by that third question, and by the way, that third question was always the hardest mm-hmm. to answer. Of course, because it's much easier to think in general generalities of the whole church and the church should be doing this and the church should be doing that. But then when you turn it into an I, ooh, that's that's a little harder. And that's hard. It's funny because I, my background in English and linguistics, it's hard for people to shift from the second person plural to the first person singular. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, uh, it's wicked t- tough. Yeah. As if I can be a little Bostonian for a second there. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, I have no other way to say it. It's wicked tough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, and, and so we would have to, to spend some time saying what's going on in your life mm-hmm. because we can't help you apply it if we don't know what's going on. Yeah. And I think to come back to how we had talked about that Jesus needs to, that we have to center our lives on Jesus, which is going to rearrange our identity and reorient our being. I think the vulnerability of and humility of being in a relationship like that is a part of that. Being willing to say, I don't know how the Spirit is calling me to apply this to my life or maybe I have an idea of how the spirit is calling me to apply this to my life and I kind of don't like it that 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 vulnerability of really being willing to share our thoughts and and not just the Sunday school answers and I think for so long yeah for so long the church here I am again you know generalities but we have catered to those kinds of answers we've catered to the the trivia kind of things and we are not as good at the real life kind of things and and that's that's a generality I know that that those deep relationships have been achieved in small groups in Sunday school classes in in relationships that have developed but that's the point that it comes from relationship and I think too in this reorientation we have to realize that then that um, that faith is different than church, that it's not just where we spend our Sunday morning. It's not something that can be siloed apart from everything else, that it's not one component of our lives, but it is the, the force that holds all of the other things in our lives together. You mentioned something there that, that, you're talking about, you know, generality, the church, uh, uh, but I can give a concrete example, you know, preached enough sermons and had enough people say, you know, that was a, that was a nice sermon pastor Mm -hmm. or, you know, and I'm not saying that in a, in a facetious or a, uh, or demeaning way. I really Mm -hmm. appreciate those things in the back of my mind, in my heart though, when people talk to me, the burning question is, does it make a difference though? Mm -hmm. Do you, do you know Jesus better? Are you going to follow him more faithfully as a result? Mm-hmm. And, and those are the things that, that really matter and are... Or even, has this given you something to think about in relationship to your own life of faith? Yes. Like, has it made a difference more than just the the knowledge that you're able to, to check off? Yes. It... it and so, you know, we can have a very general view, but, but when it comes down to it, you know, as a, as a minister, you know, I didn't get into this to, to, uh, 
either for the money or for the, uh, you know, the great civic accolades that come with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I'm rolling my eyes. And so, I'm giggling. So. Yeah. So, um, but it's really to, so that people know the power of, of Christ in their lives and the transformation that, that comes from that and from reorienting life around Jesus and allowing Jesus to be that, that, that lens, that filter through which everything else passes then. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you can see discipleship as a process. Um, now I, I talked about it a little bit in terms of adults. Um, but of course, you know, both of us sitting here at the table have kids. Yeah. Yeah. And sitting around on a Thursday morning with a cup of coffee um, is not exactly the way that kids necessarily process. Maybe some of our teenagers. Yeah. Um, particularly if you took them out of school to have that cup of coffee. Yeah. yeah. They might be much more willing to share. Exactly. Point. Exactly. Jesus is really cool. Um, but, um, you know, with kids, I know that we have... Um, you know, simple things, uh, such as talking about, uh, we, we have, we try to have meals together Mm -hmm. right now. Our dining room table is a mess. And Mm. so, um, some of that is just a function of, of the past week of, of, of having to have some, take care of someone with COVID and, and being home and so on and so forth. But, um, some of it is being intentionally having meals together, mm-hmm. intentionally having prayer times, having them pray. Mm. Um, so we're not the ones praying all the time, but saying, you know, um, Ian, how about you pray for us tonight? Um, and helping them along. What are you thankful for? What are, you know, who's someone you want to pray for yeah. today? Um, or Cameron, would you do that? Or, you know, uh, and so having them participate, but then as well, um, you know, having times where we actually talk about the scriptures and if, you know, pulling out the, the, you know, cultural backgrounds NIV study Bible mm-hmm. isn't the way to go, you know, find a good one that works like the Jesus storybook Bible. Yeah. I love that one. It's a fantastic Bible for kids to get them oriented to the, both to the stories of scripture, but also to the, to the larger arc of scripture and mm-hmm. how it points to Christ. Yeah. We, we too try to have dinner together the majority of nights where we're adjusting to a new sports schedule now. And that has been more complex in these past three weeks than it has been before. And I, you know, it's something we're working to figure out what, what family time looks like now in light of all of our other obligations. Um, I think something... I try to do is let my kids know how I struggle too, especially when they come and say, I'm worried about this or I'm scared about this or I'm struggling with this. Affirm like, yeah, I've struggled with that too. Or when I've struggled with this other thing that's similar, here's some things that help me. Will this help you? How will this help you? Um, and, and in using using those things to point them towards the presence of Christ in their life. And and it's hard work and it, it it doesn't always flow as naturally. There are some things that are harder to talk about than others, but I think for me, part of discipling 
my kids is letting them know that, that I'm not perfect either. Um, you know, I struggle with this too. I get it. I know where you are, but that doesn't mean that we can just stay here. Let's work on it together. Let's make a plan together and realize that there's grace when we eventually mess this plan up or when this plan no longer works for us and we have to go in a different direction. Um, and again, it sounds really great when I say it. I'm sure I know I mess it up on the regular oh, sure. <laughs> and we're, yeah. you know, we're not at all perfect. Um, and, but, and we can't carry the freight of discipleship alone. Either. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as we do that for our kids, one of the great things is we have, um, we have friends who are Christians. Actually, he's a pastor. Um, uh, and uh, she's a, a retired teacher who um, are involved in our boys' lives. And sometimes we've actually said to them, we need you to speak into this because mm-hmm. it, the, the boys have tuned us out yeah. and we need someone else. And and we have friends from Illinois where, you know, we've had discussions where they'll say they need, she needs to hear it from you now. Mm-hmm. I've said it enough times, it's tuned out. And so um, discipleship is you know, not just a relationship with Jesus, but it's a relationship with those people around us. The The personal presence of Jesus absolutely is the linchpin difference, but we cannot then do it alone. Yeah. It's, it's not the Lone Ranger, me and Jesus. Yeah. I actually have started making, especially my oldest, as we, um, as we get ready to branch into middle school proper and more freedom and also big kid problems. Um, <laughs> you know, we, they're, they're starting units at school about addictions and substances and all that. And so we've talked about if you see something, say something. If something makes you uncomfortable, call and, and we'll come pick you up. And I actually make, make them go through a list and say, okay, if you're somewhere and this is, something's going on that you don't like, you can call us, right? Yeah. If you don't want to call us, who else can you call? And make them list people, you know, they can call their aunt. They can call their grandparents. They can call our babysitter. They can call, you know, that, or, you know, if we talk a lot about that in terms of if the, if a friend is telling them that they're struggling and, you know, the three big things, I'm, I'm going to hurt myself, I'm being hurt by someone else, or I'm going to hurt someone else. Like, if you hear these things... You have to tell someone, here's a whole list of people who we know are willing to support you in this and have the same center in Christ as we do. And so we'll faithfully bring you, we'll help you through this because our kids don't always want to come to us. And some things are hard to bring to your parents, to bring to the people that you're closest to, that you're trying so hard to please and make proud and sometimes you don't want to hear what they have to say you want to hear what someone else has to say which is why it's important like you said to have those other relationships to have those other trusted individuals that that will guide your kids will disciple and discipline your kids in a way that that fits with where you want them to go yeah absolutely Absolutely. Um, so that's the, the, that's part of the relationship part. And, and like I said, some of the practical, the, the how to's that got cut from it and, 
And there's, I could teach an entire class on discipleship. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I'll say right now is, um, and I wrote in my notes are, you know, it, if you're listening to this and you have questions about discipleship, I think we would really appreciate hearing mm-hmm. from you. And so like email those in James Benson at ccupc.org. Just go ahead and email it in and, and let us know either questions or insights that you've had on discipleship because it is a community effort. Um, even if it's, you know, I need more information on how to start. Um, but, um, Yeah. And I think, you know, going back, just thinking now how a couple minutes ago when we were talking about the church, so often the message is be good. And I think when we look at discipleship as just trying to, especially when we look at discipleship of children as just trying to get them to be good and not do the behaviors that we don't want them to do, that that becomes problematic. And I think that's Mm. maybe part of why I try to share where I've struggled too, because we're not just correcting behaviors. We're trying to get them to have a life altering relationship with Jesus right. that, that is going to result in some of the behaviors that we want and maybe, you know, and, and also allow for missteps and mistakes and such too. But I think part of, part of our own identity needs to be remembered, re- needs to be constantly reminding ourselves that we're not just looking at at outcomes or the outward um you know the outward behaviors that that we have deemed as good or bad or in between right and, and so that's that's actually a good point that that um what Jesus is looking for here in the great commission is not behavior modification on an mm-hmm. on an international scale to put it in psychological terms, it's not behavior modification; it's identity formation, mm-hmm. which is a which is a two totally different things. Um, you know, I'm reminded. So, I specialized in Christian ethics in mm. seminary. Uh, I was the TA for Christian ethics, and and so um, and took a whole bunch of classes. and And I think I've been asked questions on the Christian ethics side, you know, a handful of times <laughs> since graduating. Um, but you know, I'm reminded of the example that okay, you're driving down the street and you see someone going 35 in a 35 mile per hour zone. Now that person could be obeying the law because they have an internal conscience that says I ought to obey the law. I ought to think of others. Mm -hmm. There must be a reason why this law was enacted or there could be, they could be driving with the pedal to the floor and their engine only allows them to go 35 miles per hour. Mm -hmm. But really they're trying to go as quickly as possible. Now, both vehicles are going the speed limit, mm-hmm. but they have two totally different identities and personalities underneath yeah. um, and sets of circumstances. And so, um, you know, if we're just looking for outward conformity. We that's w- easy to do, though. I mean, and that's 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 where we get the, the works righteousness from. Yeah. That's easy to and that is much more clear cut do this, don't do this, drink this, don't drink that. Yeah. That's, that's the easy part. It's the identity part that that takes work, but is so much more enduring. And and it's hard to say, but, but discipleship that is nothing more than behavioral conformity is a failure of discipleship. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, as we consider the nuns and duns that we keep 
hearing about, I think that's, that is a big part of it because if, if a group of people is only concerned with how I act outwardly and if I depart from this, they're going to shame me or not want to have anything to do with me or, um, try to convince me how wrong I am, then no, thank you. I don't, I don't need to be a part of that. Yeah. It's, it's because it feels very inauthentic. Mm -hmm. It's, you just want me to do these certain things really. So you can feel like you've done something. Yeah. and, And completed something. Whereas identity formation says, I really care about who you are at the core. Yeah. And I want you to really know something deep in your heart that will change you and perhaps not, it won't make you the same person as I am. Um, maybe you'll have different, but you will be processing through the same lens and you'll know the same joy and peace that comes with it. Yeah. I know yesterday in a lunch discussion or there's something we talked about how so often people come down either on the side of grace or truth. And they kind of claim that as, look, I'm so graceful. If you're not showing the same kind of grace and welcome and hospitality and all that, then you're wrong. And then the other side, well, I'm coming down on the truth. And if you're not as committed to the letter of the law as I am, then, then you're wrong. And, and I think some of this is the root of that, that we get so concerned with behaviors that we miss like no I want you to understand both things and I want both things to to influence your life in such a way that you strive for that that truth that Jesus calls us to but you remember the grace when you inevitably mess it up just like the rest of us and and that certainly is John I can say that mm-hmm. one with <laughs> with with certainty that, you know, Jesus Christ came full of grace and truth, Mm -hmm. you know, period. And, and our call is not to, well, if I'm going to err on one side, our call is to both of that in its entirety in our discipleship. Which is a, a hard and, and constant thing to, like so many of the things we've talked about to, to keep that tension, to bring that balance to, it is messy. Um, to to hold on to both of those things and not not default into complete behavior modification and not also not fall into a, a anything goes like well hey you know if I'm forgiven then doesn't matter what I do kind of mentality either and then in discipleship to to bring to help others hold that in relationship too and not beat themselves up over a a misstep in behavior or choices that they've made that that maybe looking back they wish they they wouldn't have but also realizing that we are called to something that that looks very different from the world you brought that up in in the sermon too that that to center our lives on Christ looks nothing like the world around us that the values of the world are completely different than what Jesus is calling us to. And we've seen that through the parables throughout, throughout Lent up until this point, the last will be first and the, the worthy that were invited that rejected the invitation aren't going to be the ones that, 
um, that are lifted up that, that it doesn't always look like equitable pay based on the number of hours you worked Mm. rather than, than the grace of, of Christ. So all these things just, which goes back to that Kierkegaard story about the thief who doesn't steal anything, but, but changes all the price tags. Yeah. And, and that's a, you know, that's going to be a, a way to, you know, discipleship is going to rearrange the price tags in our life Mm -hmm. in a way that is, that runs against what the, the world's values are. So as we think about, okay, um, the number of activities our kids are in, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a huge premium the world is placing on all of these things, on all of the, the, the baseball leagues and hockey leagues Mm -hmm. and, and who's going to be the next Sidney Crosby and who's going to be the next, um, you know, Michael Phelps and yeah, yeah. whoever. And so there's this push and concrete example, the kids that I see in middle school pitching in Mm -hmm. baseball are throwing harder than I have ever seen them throw. (laughs) And we, we've seen what this does it causes them to have shoulder surgery when they're 16 17 years old because they have their bodies can't handle the 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 level of physical rigor it takes to to pitch at the speeds that they're pitching and so you know what are we going to value as christians you know in that situation and in terms of schedules mm-hmm. are we going to value being out four five six nights a week or contrary to what will be comfortable for our kids, are we going to say, you know, there are certain days that that you can't in there, you know, you can't be in more than one sport yeah. in a season because it stretches everyone too thin. Yeah, and and there's hard work to do in discerning what that looks like in each season of life and weighing all of the opportunities and all of the the demands and trying to figure out how if we claim Christ as our our center what does this look like taking advantage of the opportunities that we've been given believing that that we're also called to be good stewards of of all those things and be good stewards of the money that we've spent to sign up for Mm. X, Y, Z and, and be good stewards of the time we have for a variety of experiences and, and relationship building in different, in, in scouts and sports and in whatever, but how, instead of, I know we constantly have to fight instead of figuring out how faith fits into those things, how, how faith holds them all together yeah. And and how to to balance that and and what's for a season and what's a permanent decision you know you know maybe for a season two sports is okay because we know it's a limited time and right now yeah. this this is where where we feel like we can we can spend our time and energy but we but we know that this is coming and and it's going to change so it, it's all I think that's what makes discipleship hard it's what makes parenting hard it's what makes living hard there's not a really clear (laughs) existence existence and we we try so hard to say to put limits and boundaries and concrete things you know and and 
you know, for some families, it looks like we do, we don't do anything on Sundays except church. And we just will never do anything on Sundays except church. And that's just who we are. And that's fine. That might not be for everybody. I think, again, and those are the kinds of things that then lead to behavior modification and not really thinking through what, what a life in Christ looks like in 2023 with all of these these things held in balance and when the church is no longer regarded as 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 kind of the the defining feature of the culture um which is something that the that the early church had to deal with Mm -hmm. you know life didn't stop just because christ had risen from the tomb in the early in the early greco-roman world Mm -hmm. because uh or in the greco-roman world of the first century because uh, you know it didn't value Christ or we're back in that situation where, mm-hmm. um, you know, leagues are going to schedule on Sundays because, well, we've got time mm-hmm. and the, the, the church's, um, corner on Sunday isn't their concern anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's finding times for, for the league. And as well as you talk about, you know, days of the week, you know, you talked about how much a family can take on and that's going to look different. Mm-hmm. A faithful amount is going to look different for different families because you've got to decide how much bandwidth you have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, that can be different. That's different from family to family. That's different from season to season. And that's just one example. And again, I mean, it just makes it messier that there's, there's not, there's not a blueprint on here are the steps to take to result in a, a complete, fully formed Christian young person or, <laughs> yeah, right, you know, right. um, or a healthy marriage or a healthy family or a healthy relationship with your parents. There, There's just not, we long for that, which is why works righteousness feels so good to us. We long for clarity in you know follow these steps and things will go well i think that that's why the prosperity gospel i think has taken off like phew if i can just do these seven simple steps and be (laughs) guaranteed that everything is going to be okay then then surely that's what i'm going to do if i've done it okay right because the reality in discipleship is you can do the faithful thing and have a negative outcome Mm -hmm. And, and that's something to to realize as well that it's messy. It it's not a one to one correspondence, which is also why it has to be done in relationship, relationship mm-hmm. with Christ, but relationship with others as well, yeah. so that we can go to others and say, "Hey, this is what's going on," not as a random act, but as a as a regular act of saying, "This is what's going on in my life. This is what I'm thinking about doing. Does this seem faithful? Does this seem good?" Mm-hmm. Um, and and allowing those people. And their perspectives, I mean, the Bible has something to say about the counsel of many. Yeah. And and allowing those faithful people to bring their wisdom to bear on our situations as well. Yeah. And I think that's how you do develop wisdom and develop discernment and and become more faithful by being in relationship with, with other people who show those qualities who may be a little further down the road whether chronologically or not but you know as a parent I know I'm looking at other parents and thinking like huh that's the parent 
that's the kind of parent I would like to be. Maybe they have some things to offer me in terms of what they did or where they struggled. Again, just that that discipleship isn't just sharing the how-to, but sharing the authentic struggles and questions and missteps and lessons learned in an effort to help someone else navigate those same missteps or or maybe avoid them altogether all the while knowing that there's no magic formula and it's going to look different for you than it is for me and that's okay and we're still being faithful together and I think you know that's evidence in the in the 12 disciples they didn't all follow the exact same path they all had a different Mm -hmm. way of working for the kingdom of God in their particular contexts and in their lives and yet they were all longing after Christ and yearning to carry out this great commission, which is where we started this That's, whole thing. That, yeah, exactly. And and you can we can even see that in the character of the different books of the Bible. Mm-hmm. We don't have a uniform singular voice, but we have a, a, a plethora of voices coming and at, at from different angles. Paul is very, very educated and very erudite. Um, Peter is a little punchier, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of, and a little bit more concise, uh, Peter, uh, traditionally informed Mark's gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Matthew has this Jewish slant on his gospel and, uh, Luke is the historian. So you get every detail, yeah. every detail folks. Um, and then you get into, you know, the, the others, you know, um, the the letter of James is really punchy, mm-hmm. like almost sarcastic at points. Yeah, and I think I think those things to me they're encouragements that that God can use you you can use me however I am that I don't have to conform to this particular style of discipleship that that if I'm more comfortable in one area in one style. Than another. If I'm more comfortable in the relationship part of discipleship than the the you know scriptural teaching in terms of of knowledge and memorization and that kind of stuff, that that that's okay. Like if if my job is just is to focus more on on this and do things in this way, then then I'm going to attract certain people that that grow in that way. Other people are much better at calling people to account and holding people accountable and responsible and 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 helping people to identify the the sin in their lives and that's good too and and we need that as well we need the grace and the truth and we and because we're not Jesus we're not going to be able to hold both of those things in the same kind of perfect way that he did and so God really does use all of those things. Again, another evidence that it is important to be in relationship with the community of Christ, of people that will call you out and then people that will pick you up and remind you of the grace that's been given to you, that that we need all of those things and that all of that comes as the body of Christ together. There's so. a lot in there and and I'm glad that we we addressed you know this passage a bit more. I, I feel better about getting some of the the basics about discipleship and and its importance and its um you know because 
if we don't talk about it and if we don't have some sort of plan for it, then the Great Commission becomes the the Great No Mission now, mm-hmm. or the Great Omission, um, or if we're you know procrastinators, the Great Slow Mission. Yeah. Uh, any way you want to phrase that, and so, but it's still a command, and we're still called to do it as followers of Jesus. It's it's not an option. Mm-hmm. As difficult as that is, it's not an option. And so whether it's our kids, whether it's our neighbors, whether it's our friends, um, whoever we're in relationship with, we are to be um, in those discipling sort of relationships. Yeah. Wherever else we we find ourselves, that's where we're to be making disciples and and teaching about Jesus in the in those circles and not not it's not just one more part of our lives but it is the it is this the the purpose that that provides meaning to every other part of our lives yeah and and as pastors you know it's it's our privilege and our joy to walk with you if you are wondering how to do this and 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 you know want to feel the call of the holy spirit and uh, to pushing on your life to to start moving in this direction in a more intentional way. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're here, you know, drop us a line, um, through the website, through, you know, email, whatever it is. And, and we'd be happy to, to work with you on that. Mm-hmm. I think we have come to the end <laughs> of our time. We haven't surely haven't hackneyed this, this passage to its full ex- extent. That is a work in progress. But as always, you know, if you found this episode helpful, if you have, um, felt the pull of the Holy Spirit in it and um, has helped you deepen your relationship with, with Jesus, would you would you do us a favor? Leave a rating and review. Uh, share it with others on whatever social media you're on. Um, if you don't know that uh, the podcasts get raised and lowered in searches by the number of ratings and reviews that they get, and so the, that is actually very important to help others discover this and hopefully um, uh, have their lives transformed more by Christ. And also click, click the subscribe button so that when new episodes pop up that you can get them whenever they are put out. You know, if it's one week or two weeks, if one of us goes on vacation, Mm -hmm. um, although we're always looking for someone to fill in if, if one of us isn't here, we really appreciate it until next time. uh, We really hope this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday And hopefully you can go out and fulfill the Great Commission in your your own life. Yeah. All right. Have a good one. We'll talk to you the next time. Bye.